Welcome to Famous People You've Never Heard Of, the podcast brought to you by Blue Fire Theatre Company. Each week, Lottie, Linda or Steve will guide you through the centuries to shine the spotlight once again on entertainers the world has forgotten. Thank you so much for joining us as we chat to our fabulous guests and find out more about these forgotten superstars of history. If you enjoy the podcast, do please rate, review and most importantly, subscribe so that you never miss an episode and more people find out about us. And now, let us delay no longer in introducing you to a famous person you've never heard of. So today in our Zoom room, we have the wonderful Margaret Mono, who is joyenne of the Into the Limelight blog um, and all things musical postcards and souvenirs and things. And I've been looking at her blog for a long, long time. And I'm really excited that she's here to have a chat with me about some of the stuff that I haven't seen that's obviously in the collection and she keeps all to herself. One day I will get there. So there we are. So welcome, <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure to have you. So if, if we can just start, perhaps you want to tell everybody a little bit about you and the collection and then we can uh, we can witter on from there. Okay. Uh, well, this all started for me probably, because uh, I'm very old, probably about 30 years ago. Um, I was interested in um, women in trouser roles in the, the theatre generally and uh, women who lived as men uh, in real life. Um, and somebody offered me a collection of postcards of male impersonators from the musical. So uh, I took that, I grabbed it gratefully, and that started the interest, really. And uh, I've been adding to that collection ever since. And it's women in the musical that I'm particularly interested in. And I like the idea, well, from the social history point of view, uh, and also the fact that so many of these women were forgotten. You know, I come across cards uh, with, a, you know, a name I've never heard of. I look, I can't find anything about them. Sometimes I put it on Twitter and somebody will just give me a little nugget of information about them. You know, that was my great, great grandmother. And all I know is, you know, she was a comedian or something. And uh, I just, well, it just fascinates me, really. It sounds like you're, you're perfect for this podcast then, because it's all about lost people of, yeah. uh, of the theatre. So um, it's good. Do, do you have a favourite? Uh, well, I've got <laughs> quite a few favourites. Uh, <laughs> one of my favourites uh, is uh, Ada Reeve. And she started off at, uh, aged about four um, in theatre and pantomime. Uh, and she was well in her 80s uh, by the time she... Uh, she was in films when she was in her 80s. She was interviewed on This Is Your Life. I don't know, it's quite an old programme a long time ago, but uh, by Emin Andrews, and she was in her 80s then. And she still had this really commanding presence and voice. You know, she was very, very popular. I've got a postcard of her, and on the back, uh, somebody called TH, who I imagine must be a man, says, very nice girl, isn't she? Not off. <laughs> <laughs> So, and apparently she used to, um, when she went on the music hall stage, uh, I think she was uh, probably about 14 or so, uh, and she used to finish her act doing cartwheels across the stage. And the audience got used to this and they used to shout, over Ada! 
and then she'd do these cartwheels. And then one day she said, she turned around and said to them, no, I'm grown up now. I'm not doing them anymore. <laughs> she didn't do them. <laughs> oh, so she's far too sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless her. Uh, another one of my favourites is um, Nellie Power, who I think you know a little bit about. I do, uh, <laughs> my lovely Nellie. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, I have um, uh, the front, just the front cover of some sheet music of hers, uh, which I found in a shop in Cecil Court uh, in London. It was in a, a bin of sort of stuff being sold off for just a pound a you know, an item. And I rifled through this bin and I found that, and God, I was excited. I was really excited about this. And this is the um, sheet music for La Dida or the City Toff. And she's dressed, well, supposedly as a man, but it's a very early one. Um, and uh, they didn't dress in real men's clothes at that time. She's wearing what we would think more of a circus outfit, really, um, a spangly uh, sort of top and little skirt um, and a sort of a small bowler hat perched on one side of her head with one side of it uh, sort of tilted upwards um, and uh, boots. Um, shall I read out a little bit of the um, uh, the verse because it is quite funny. Oh yeah. yes, I, I love this song. Let's share it with yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> she um, <clears throat> uh, she's really taking off um, people who thought they were swells, you know, men who thought they were swells, and they had quite cheap clothes and things, but they still thought they were somebody. They imitated uh, really posh people. So she says, he, she sings, he wears a penny flower in his coat, la-di-da, and a penny paper collar round his throat, la-di-da. In his hand, a penny stick. They used to have a little stick, which wasn't like a proper walking stick. Um, and in his mouth, a penny pick, which was a cheap cigar, and a penny in his pocket, la di da. And that's uh, just a little extract from that one. I think it's brilliant. So, and I, I also um, have a token uh, from a music hall, which she was supposed to have um, performed one of her first uh, shows in. Um, um, apparently, her uncle managed this musical so I imagine that's where she got her first break and uh, the token is a sixpenny token and it says on the back to be spent in the concert hall the same evening as received and they would exchange this for alcohol or food but I of course it was to encourage them then to have another drink or spend more on the food uh, but um, so I was really pleased to find that one and I suppose there, there's no date on there of when it was received. Uh, no, there isn't, no. And I often wonder, because there's no date, well, they, I suppose they had to, so I think they put them in a box or something, you know, as they redeemed them, and then they would have been given out again the next night, I imagine. So I suppose but, that's uh, sort of the, the Victorian equivalent of having your hand stamped in a, yeah, a nightclub exactly. or something, is it, for your free yeah, drinks? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, how lovely. Because she started when she was very young, didn't she, Nellie? Well, loads of them did, I suppose. And they yes, started as children. They were stars by the time they were teenagers. Yes. Well, Vesta Tilly was about four when she started. She was a male impersonator. And she was supposedly, you know, one of the greatest male impersonators. And she went on until she was in her 50s. And uh, 
um, she, her dad um, uh, did a tramp act with their dog, which was called Fathead, um, <laughs> in the musical. And then he got the chance to manage one. And one day, the story, she dressed up in uh, his clothes, a hat and jacket, which, of course, was much too big for her. And he came upstairs and found her singing in the, you know, to the mirror, to her own image in the mirror. And he got her a little suit made. And apparently that's that's the story, supposedly. That's what she tells in her autobiography. So, and the rest is history. Yeah. And she says she kept the little suit all her life. So... Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you, you found found our Nelly in in Cecil Court. Um, yeah. Where do you normally find things? Don't give away the trade secrets, but no. Well, find- it's just. Uh, I mean, I just wherever I go, I always find um, sort of well antique shops or flea markets and things, and uh, look through the postcards. But that's getting more and more difficult. Um, really, it's. Uh, eBay, I think now, and a postcard fairs are good, and people get to know you. There's several. I live on the south coast, and um, there are several uh, around here. You know, about once every three months, there might be one, and people get to know you. So they sometimes bring in particular cards and things they think you'd be interested in. Mm. So, but it is uh, getting harder, obviously, to find them because the time, you know. Uh, as time goes on, they get, I mean, I'm not giving, you know, getting rid of mine or, you know, other people feel the same about their collections, I think. Yeah, so, but, and also I think, you know, unless people like you talk about what you do, then the next generation don't know how important these things are and they're the sort of uh, things that can so easily end up in the recycling. I know, I know, exactly. Well, um, I've got a young friend, well, uh, much younger than me, uh, <laughs> who's interested uh, in this sort of thing, which is, you know, I really enjoy, you know, sharing the cards and the. I mean, that's one of the reasons I went onto Twitter, uh, because I don't tweet as myself. I tweet as Monomania Blogs, uh, which is uh, all to do with the music hall, really, um, and uh, just sharing the postcards, you know. Uh, and I've, I've got... Um, uh, I lodged some with the um, Mary Evans Picture Library as well. And again, just the same thing, you know, so that other people can see them because they're such great images, I think. Yeah, they are. And uh, and as well, the like you were just showing of uh, Nelly, those song sheets, they were real works of art, weren't they? I know. It's so lovely, this one. And this one is, I mean, it must be a very early one, uh, but uh, it's uh, coloured, you know. Not very well, but it, you know, it is coloured, and uh, somehow that makes it more uh, alive. You know. Yes. Yeah. Because that, that that was her biggest hit, I think, wasn't it, with City Toff? Yes, I think so. Well, of course, she did have the other hit, as we all know. Yes, she did. <laughs> For those of you listening who don't know, the boy um, I love is up in the gallery. Was Nelly yeah. Powers first? Yeah, oh, it's such a lovely Stolen. song. <laughs> yeah, by Maury Lloyd. My, my, um, another reason I was interested in the musical was that my uh, grandmother, we lived with my grandmother when, the, you know, until I was about 13. And uh, quite a lot of her family, yeah, this was in um, Shepherd's Bush in, in London, and quite a lot of her family still lived near. And uh, we used to go have parties at uh, my great aunt's house. Someone used to play the piano and they would always end up singing 
uh, musical songs or uh, Flory Ford type songs. Uh, she was famous as a chorus singer. And they would sing, hold your hand out, you naughty boy, and um, oh, oh, Antonio, and pack up your troubles and all this sort of thing. But they didn't like Marie Lloyd. They weren't keen on her. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that funny? I never really knew. Well, of course, you know, as a child, you don't. You just listen to this. You don't really think. But, you know, my grand used to say, mm, no, I haven't got any time for that Marie Lloyd. I tell you a little fat, uh, story as well about them. My um, uh, my uh, grandmother's uh, parents died fairly young, and she was the oldest, so she more or less brought up the family. And you know, she was quite strict. And one day, a neighbour uh, said to her, "You know, uh, uh, May, that was her sister. You know, she's um, outside the Travellers' Rest, a local pub, dancing to the barrel organ." And <laughs> so my grand went straight down there and apparently she was dancing to and singing and dancing. Well, she'd been in the pub, I expect, to uh, musical songs. <laughs> well, this barrel organ was going because she got quickly dragged away. But, you know, they still remembered that when they were in their 80s. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sure they it. did. <laughs> That's <real> scandal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did she get any money? Did anyone actually pay her for it? And it was just I don't think so, no. <laughs> busking outside the pub. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and the, the collection that you've got is, I know it's mainly female music hall people but do you expand it at all is there anything else that you've got there because I did notice I'm leading on here a little bit because I did notice on your blog you've you started to diversify a little bit away from the music hall you've done some other bits and pieces yes I have well I've written um uh I I mean mainly the focus well as you say the focus is a music hall but every now and again you know I get an idea in my head like the um flu epidemic uh, and, well, of course, you can imagine why I sorted out because of the pandemic we're mm. in at the moment, but always trying to link it somehow uh, to how things affected uh, the music hall. Uh, and um, I do have some cards of male performers as well. It's not just uh, female performers, but with the male performers, it tends to be ones that I think are, I don't know, they're just a bit quirky. Yeah, you know, mm. I've got one uh, with... Um, uh, somebody who was the incredible fasting man, and uh, apparently he he didn't eat, you know, for weeks at a time. And, <laughs> and, and that was an act. People used that to come and act. watch him not eating. Yes, I think so. Yes, he used to sit somewhere, and they used to come and have a look at him. It's, <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? So it's more like a sort of circus freak show, really, doesn't it? It, it, it does. It does. And I think there there was a bit of a link, wasn't there? People used to. Used yes. to say, you know, the circus music hall and the features are all very closely linked together. Yes, I think so. And also, I've got um, uh, there were double acts, you know, with a, um, uh, a man and a woman in the same act. So then I tend to uh, uh, like Costa acts and things like that. So I tend to, you know, try and get both cards. But uh, I think I don't. I think it is because the women 
they did have a real, well, the men had a tough time. I think anybody in the music hall had a tough time, but the women had to sort of cope with the managers trying it on, you know. I don't suppose they all did, but I, I think they had a, you know, to get their uh, slot, they had to sometimes, you know, do things they wouldn't have wanted to do. And they didn't, I mean, the good thing about Music Hall is that it was one of the few areas where women did actually have some kind of rights. You know, they had yes. a bit of power if they got to the top. Um, yes. Whereas, you know, outside in the real world there, there was no voting, you know, they no. couldn't really own your own property. I know. Mind you, there were plenty of restrictions uh, in, the, in the Music Hall. I've got um, a contract here from the Parthenon Music Hall in Liverpool, uh, which was run by um, Adelaide Stoll, who was uh, the mother of Oswald Stoll, who became a really, really big name in, in music hall ownership and management. And um, this contract is for two people. I can't quite read one of the names. I think it's Hudson and Charters. And uh, she says, I engage you at £4.10 10 shillings a week for six nights and there's a list of rules and they may not appear at any other place of amusement in or within five miles of this city until its completion and uh, of course uh, previously they may have performed in two or three halls a night you know mm. uh, if they were close to each other because I mean halls you know some cities and towns had several halls, you know, quite close to each other. Uh, and they weren't allowed to do that. So that really cut down the money uh, they could earn. And then there are 12 rules on the back. Uh, and this is the one that um, amused me. Every artiste must stringently avoid introducing any obscene song, saying or gesture. And upon being requested to cease performing any indecorous item which may be deemed nauseous to the public taste or opposed to respectability, must do so without demur. Yeah, so uh, they um, were fined, they could be fined 10 shillings, and they had to agree to this, they had to sign this contract. A fine of 10 shillings will be deducted from the offender's salary for each infringement of the above rules, and they couldn't drink if they were inebriated, they were fined. Um, and uh, also, if uh, the performer on the bill before them didn't turn up for some reason, they had to do their slot as well. So they did double the work, but they didn't get any extra money. Good heavens. Uh, so, Good heavens. Uh, so I'm assuming that Mrs. Stoll wouldn't have been a big fan of Mari Lloyd. She wouldn't have lasted five minutes. No, I don't think so. No. Do you know, I don't know that she ever appeared at the stall, um, when I think about it, you know, I've read a couple of sort of biographies of her, and I don't remember her ever having appeared at any of their halls. I expect Percy Tilly did. Yes, I suppose she, it, she was very, considered very respectable, wasn't she? But, uh, yes, but Mary Lloyd was quite the reverse. Yes. Yeah. And wasn't Oswald Stoll, he went on to, it was Stoll Moss, wasn't it? Stoll yes, Moss Theatres that were still going until yeah. relatively recently yeah and he built the Colosseum in London oh. uh, and uh, in the foyer there's a, a statue uh, to uh, Adelaide Stoll um, oh really uh, yeah he erect, he put artists who died he, he put he um, had that uh, <coughs> made 
but she used to sit in the box office there, apparently, and take the money. <laughs> what saved on the salary, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Woman after my own heart, do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, apparent, but the punters apparently said she was great. They loved her, absolutely loved her. But I haven't heard what the performers thought about her, really. Oh, I suppose it's that thing, isn't it, with that kind of contract? You go for the security of knowing you've got work for X amount of months. Or you just want, you know, more money, but on an irregular basis. Because I know one of my my favourite stories is George Laban, who was contracted to the Canterbury Theatre, wasn't he? Um, yes. for an extortionate amount of money. It was like £120 yeah. a week or something and yeah. a coach and four white horses. And he was yeah. being um, sponsored by Moe and Chandon as well. But what a life. And yeah. But that was an exclusive contract, which when it was up for renewal, he negotiated that wasn't exclusive anymore. Yeah. So he yeah. spent, I don't know if he spent the next year working for you know the Canterbury and doing another two or three, turning up in the coach and four, Yes. to the next theatre. He must have made a fortune. I know, I know. Well, apparently, um, uh, you know, some of the women, when they, well, because they had a lot of costume changes, uh, they used to change in the cab, you know, going from one uh, uh, music hall to the other. Depending on which act they were doing when they got there. Yeah, yeah. There's a a good uh, versatility story about her. uh, She was in a pantomime, uh, Beauty and the Beast. This is from her recollections as well. I mean, how true this is, I don't know, but it's a good story. Uh, She was in Beauty and the Beast, but she was the beast. And she didn't realise when she accepted the contract that she would be wearing a head, you know, a beast's head. Uh, so, of course, no one would see her and she wouldn't really be able to sing with this beast's head on. So um, she made a fuss and um, she got the contract changed so that when the beast was wearing a head in the pantomime, it would be somebody different. And uh, she would appear at the end, you know, as the, I think the handsome prince, whoever it is, uh, without the beast's head on and would be able to sing and speak and everyone would know it was her. But in between, she went and did a turn at another hall. (laughs) Oh, good girl. because I, I got some recently well when the world was open um at the Islington Museum did an exhibition on music oh yes yes oh, it was brilliant wasn't there. it it was oh, really good it's really good and actually I, I got to do my Nelly show there which was great but they had lots of postcards there obviously not the originals but they were lovely I bought tons of them I bought lots of Myra Lloyd ones and they had lots of Nelly ones because she was local to Islington Yes. Thought, oh, I'm sure I can use those at some point. So I've got a great big pile of them. Um, but they were just photographs of them. So the, the cards that you've got, did they have messages that they'd written on or any of them signed or anything? 
not usually. Uh, the, I haven't, well, I've got one from uh, a performer called Mari Dainton, who um, I'm not sure that I really take to, actually, because she wouldn't join the music hall strike. You know, they had a strike, too, because their conditions of work and pay were so bad. They had a strike, and she wouldn't join because she didn't want to be associated with the stagehands in in this strike, apparently, she wrote a letter to uh, one of the the year or one of the trade papers, and so I'm not. But I think uh, she was originally, I think, um, uh, sort of in Kilburn Sullivan and things like that, and then moved to the music hall. Uh, but she didn't seem that confident in the music hall, and I've got a postcard of her, which she sent to herself, and she puts uh, to myself for luck. <laughs> on it. Oh. <laughs> so that made me think, oh, well, maybe she wasn't, you know, that yeah. confident a person, really. There was uh, another, well, she was more of an actress, really, although she was on the musical stage occasionally called Philip, uh, Phyllis. Now, I'm not sure how you pronounce her surname, if it's Broughton or Broughton, it's B R O U G H T O N. Uh, but she used to um, send self-addressed cards in an envelope or leave them at the stage door for musical uh, artists for them to write a little message to her and send it. It was uh, already stamped, you know, uh, and sign it, and then it would be sent back to her. <laughs> That's sweet. So that was a picture of her, but for someone else to uh, write on? Uh, sometimes they were a picture of her, yes. Yes. Yeah, so oh. A bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> So I've got several of those. I, you know, I got these cards. I thought it's a bit odd, you know. Uh, and then, um, you know, I did a bit of research and found out that that that's what she did. That's, so that's her. <laughs> I quite like her. I'm going to look her up. Finnish, Broughton, Broughton, or whatever. Yeah. Let's find her. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, she was a bit of a tricky character, I think, but from what. I've read, but uh, I don't know that much about her. But uh, the back of the cards are uh, one uh, woman uh, sent a card of uh, Vesta Tilly uh, uh, to a friend, and uh, she puts uh, on it, Vesta uh, Tilly was in the shop when I bought this card, but I couldn't pluck up the courage to speak to her. <laughs> Oh, that's really lovely. So, were they used mainly as greetings cards, like you would an old seaside postcard or something? Not particularly. Well, you know, in those days, you could post something in the morning, and it would arrive by lunchtime. You know, so a lot of them are arrangements. You know, I'll be there tomorrow. See you under the clock at ten or something. You know, that oh, sort of thing. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose if but, you have one for yourself, then it's almost like a calling card as well, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, I think uh, I think there were. I've, I've got some written by, um, uh, well, they're sort of really unknown stars, which is why I found them interesting, which are uh, uh, written to landladies. You know, I've got, uh, because, you know, they would leave the music hall at 10 o'clock, travel on the train all night and arrive, you know, the next day. And there's one uh, from somebody called Annie Laurie, who was a comedian and dancer. And uh, she writes to somebody, I'll be there tomorrow at 10. I'm sorry I haven't wrote before. (laughs) (laughs) I hope my bed's still there. (laughs) I'm not giving it to someone else. (laughs) 
<laughs> but she um, she describes herself as a refined dancer. So uh, <laughs> she looks quite, you know, her clothes in the photograph, the postcard, her clothes are quite poor, really. You know what I mean? You you can see she's not one of the sort of top rung of the musical, but it's quite nice. And then another one who is a uh, a black uh, performer called Madeline Rossiter. Uh, well, she had her own, she was more in concert hall, but she did do the odd thing, I think, in musical. She had her own company. And uh, she wrote to a landlady, oh, thanks for sending on my handkerchief. You know, I'll be back, you know, next, you know, in three weeks or something, you know. Like a little insight into their lives, isn't it? Which, uh, I suppose it's the equivalent of what we would do with a text message now. Or, yes. or something, isn't it? That's right. And yes, then, and they do just keep in touch, you know. Some one or two of them are, you know, they're a Christmas, they are greetings, you know, a Christmas uh, and saying, you know, uh, thanks, you know, for what you did, you know, during the year and things like that. And we'll be seeing you next year, and, you know. Because yeah, it was a, such a transient life, wasn't it? It was so hard. None of them really had homes as such, did they, unless they were big stars. Yeah, Let's go from one that, digs to the other. That's right. I've got um, uh, a postcard of um, it's uh, of a couple of young women called Kirk and Saraski, uh, and they're called the Girl Aquatic Marvels, and uh, they were what were called crystal tank artists, uh, and they used to swim do acrobatics, hold their breath underwater, things like this. And they, um, they used to drag this tank around with them, apparently. Uh, you know, they used to on the, travel from one place to another on the train. And then when they got there, the tank would take hours to fill and heat up, you know, because obviously they couldn't go in really cold water. But this particular time, there was a court case. I can't remember where they were going. But, you know, it took them several hours to get there. When they arrived, uh, it had been cancelled. Their contract had been cancelled. So they'd done and all they'd that. they'd taken the tank. Yeah. And uh, they'd had to, you know, uh, and they've travelled from one, you know, engagement to what they thought was the next one. Uh, so they took the manager to court and they, they won, apparently. But, uh, I mean, it's just awful the way people were treated. It's awful because so I thought when, when you said aquatic, I was thinking, well, they must have had a very limited amount of places they could go. Because I know that there was a time when Sadler's Wells had a whole aquatic thing going on, and they used yes, to yeah, oh, some places did have their own. Trafalgar. Um, yeah, but it, it wouldn't be many, would it? <laughs> no. No, so they used to apparently, well, according to what I've read, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, in the trade papers and things, they used to take these, uh, they used to take the tank with them on a sort of special, uh, uh, well, I suppose it was like a trailer, really, uh, on the train. I mean, imagine that, arranging all that. You know? <laughs> God, did, did they have to take their own stage crew with them to carry the thing? And uh, Well, you know, yeah, that, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes. look, I'd be if anyone knows any more about that that you know might listen to this, I'd be really interested, you know, and I hope I'd be wrong about that because the thought of people having to do that is <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I think that there's a movie there, isn't there? You know, yeah. Uh... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you.
uh, Kitty Lord here, and uh, she was um, started off as a servant, uh, and she ended up living in a house on uh, Regent's Park. <laughs> she really made, I mean, she's not a name that I knew. I just happened to find the card uh, and looked her up. And then I found something, I don't know, on uh, a website or a forum or something somewhere. This is years ago. Uh, well, obviously not that long ago because it was on the internet. But um, about this uh, chap saying, oh, yes, yeah, she was my great aunt or great great aunt. And I know she was a servant. And uh, she said to somebody she worked with, I'm going to go on the halls and I'm going to make more money than I do now. And she did. And she but, uh, she went to Egypt. She performed in Egypt. She was very, very popular in Egypt. But I think she was a sort of a kept woman in Egypt, I think. Um, uh, but there's, I mean, there's quite a bit on the internet about her. Uh, there was an exhibition about uh, um, what she did in Egypt uh, a few years ago. Uh, she is described as an eccentric English singer on the card. I like her already. So, yeah. Uh, and she wears uh, a sort of spangly costume, again, a bit like a circus costume, but wonderful boots. And her boots are in the Museum of London. Uh, and uh, she had them made by the same person who made the royal family boots. Uh, shoe, boots and shoes at that time so they were obviously very expensive so she must have been um uh you know earning a lot of money but she just looks like a really nice person you know she looks really exuberant you know i've got two postcards of her and i just love both of them you know she looks as if she's really enjoying life you know <laughs> well i suppose if you compare it to what she did before um well, she probably loved every minute of it the glamour yeah but you see, she must have had some get up and go, mustn't she? So many people must have been really nervous of doing something like that because of losing a job and not being able to find another one. But she just went for it, you know. And obviously um, did it really well. And it's it's interesting with you you saying, I'm jumping back a bit now, but we were talking about, um, was it Murray Dainton, who was the ex- uh, Murray Dainton, was yeah. And, and also Phyllis, who came from the theatre. Um, yeah. And they weren't quite so successful and they didn't quite fit in. And I wonder if there, there's something in sort of all that the Nellie Powers, Mari Lloyds, Vesta Tillys all started when they were tiny. And as you say, le- learned the trade and learned how to play the game, I suppose. Whereas if you came in from something more legitimate theatre, you wouldn't quite expect it to necessarily be the, the way it was in musical. No, that's right. And I think they perhaps had unrealistic expectations. I don't know. But uh, somebody, um, uh, a friend of a friend, uh, her relative, she was a great, great, great aunt, I think. She found a photo of her uh, and the photo uh, was entitled Mari Levinson. Now, that was not their name. That was a stage name. But her family wouldn't talk about her at all. She'd been sort of ostracised from the family. And she had started, and then, you know, I did some research, and somebody called Heather Tweed, I don't know if you've come across her. She's doing the Playbill podcast, which have just oh, yes. started. Yeah. She very, I put something on Twitter, and she very kindly 
uh, helped me with uh, some research. And um, uh, we found out she was in the uh, originally in the uh, Doily Cart Company, uh, then moved to Music Hall, but she kept changing her name and what the way billing herself in different ways. You know, she was a singer, then she was a comedian, then she was an actress, then she did this, you know. Uh, so I don't think she was terribly successful in the music hall. But she died uh, in her 40s, and she hadn't had work for some time, I don't think, uh, of alcohol uh, poison, you know. Uh, it's really sad. It okay. is. I mean, so many of the stories are, are so sad and end up like that, don't they? So, yes. Unless yeah. you were a regular working for Stoll Theatres, where you wouldn't have been allowed <laughs> well, yeah, to. yeah, you probably yes. wouldn't be able to. No. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't have had time to drink that much. <laughs> well, you know, I wonder what he did, though, about uh, really big names. I mean, he must have wanted the really big names. But I wonder what, because some of those would have just carried on drinking backstage and things, you know, I wonder if he turned a blind eye to some of them, but the sort of less important members of the, uh, uh, yeah. on the bill, he sort of imposed his will, apparently. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's, it's happened before and it'll happen again, so that wouldn't surprise me in the least. No, no. that with a case. I get the, the postcards out an awful lot, you know, because I'm putting them on Twitter and things. And sometimes people contact me and ask me if I've got a card of a certain person, you know, so if I see I send send them a copy of it, you know, things like that. So uh, it's been a nice way to sort of get to know people in a way, you know. I mean, we've never met personally. But, no, uh, but you know, I feel but because, I know you. <laughs> yeah, because of Twitter. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's that common interest thing, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Um, could I just say something about um, when you we were saying about people going from the theatre into the musical and how did they fit in? Well, there, were, there was somebody called um, Margaret Cooper, who, again, I'd never heard of, but she was a classical pianist and gave recitals and things. And then she was persuaded by a musical manager, and I can't remember which one, uh, to give the halls a try. And she looks rather demure in her photo. She's wearing um, a long dress. Uh, she's got a sort of a corsage. Uh, she's got a bow in her hair. You know, she looks rather um, sort of straight-laced, really. But apparently she used to come on uh, and she had long gloves all the way up her arm, and she would peel these gloves off and take ages to do that and do it very seductively, and then lay them seductively on the piano, look at the audience and sit down and start to play it. <laughs> and apparently she was incredibly popular for a time. So. Oh, I'm sure she was. Yes. <laughs> Classical music's answer to Gypsy Rose Lee. Yeah. So, you know, she worked out how to sort of do the transition, really, <laughs> between the, you know, classical um, piano, which I think she still played. I think she did play, so, you know, classical stuff as well as more popular stuff. But uh, she knew how to appeal to the audience. <laughs> I think that's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the other thing that I wanted to know was from a commercial perspective, is these postcards, when they were originally printed, do, would Mari Lloyd have done her own or were they done by the management? Or you know, who was making the money here? Did, did the stars actually make any money from them or did I they have to go out and buy their own? 
yeah, I'm not sure. I, uh, I mean, it became terribly popular, so I suspect that they... I mean, there was a woman called Mari Stodholm, an actress. She wasn't on the halls, but she did thousands and thousands of different poses. And so, I, I mean, I think they must have got something from them. And, you know, they would hire the go to really good studios to have their uh, photographs taken. I expect the management got... Uh, you know, got money from it, but I think they must have done that. Do you know? I've never found out anything about that. I have, tr I have looked it up, but I've never. But that's uh, that's a project I could think about. Ah, that's a blog, you see. Yeah, it's another <laughs> blog post. You I heard feel it a blog coming first. on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but some of them are, some of the cards uh, are very. I mean, it's a bit like today. You know, we used to run a stationery shop. Uh, in Brighton, and uh, we had to have business cards, you know. I mean, we weren't handing them out all the time, but, you know, I suppose it was a similar thing to that originally. They thought, yes, I have to have these cards to send to uh, managers and, you know, and then to fans if they're interested. And then I suppose because people like them, they thought, oh, right, right, we can sell these commercially in tobacconists and, you know, things like that and yeah, other performances. Which is something you can't really do with sort of the the signed photographs that that people sort of send out now. If indeed they they still yeah. do it, mm. now the postcards is something different. I I do think that yeah the the idea of it being more of a business card, or as we were saying earlier, sort of a an, a visiting card. I I used to have a terribly grand friend who still had cards that she must have had printed in 1956 because um, they were all yellow, but they were beautifully embossed. Yeah. Mrs. Oliver is at home on such and such a day, and she would just write yeah. in the day and time, and, and one would be invited for tea, um, yeah. which was really lovely. <laughs> so, <laughs> But she didn't have a photograph on those, but I'm sure that, you know, that's a, a, another thing, isn't it? Just brought them round. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've also got um, uh, this. This is from much later. Uh, it's a little brooch, uh, a bar brooch, and then there's a clog hanging from it. And uh, it says Gracie's clog on it. And it was, um, uh, well, obviously to uh, promote Gracie Fields. Um, but that would have been probably in the 30s, 1930s, I think. Uh, but they quite often they were given away free with magazines, uh, things like that. Uh, and then I remembered that I, I've, well, actually, I've got quite a lot of them, um, cigarette cards with um, music hall. You know, they would have a series of music hall performers on cigarette cards. Uh, and I've also got some that were given away uh, with uh, certain newspapers, you know. of uh, I've got one of Bessie Bellwood that was given away with a newspaper and they're a bit, you know, they're not such good quality, you know, they're mm. quite cheap. Oh, and Nearly Power, uh, one of my Nearly Power ones was given away as well with a newspaper. So, you know, promotion was really important for them, mm. well, like it is now, you know. Put yourself out there, don't you, or else nobody yeah. knows. So yeah. it's a good way of doing it. So is there anything else that you, you want to cover off on? Well, the only thing uh, I thought uh, might be worth saying was a great variety of acts that there were on the music hall you know, it wasn't just singing dancing there were uh, there was a uh, boxing got card of a woman boxer called a french woman boxer called Marc Carl Pontier who said she was the champion of the world 
there were these crystal tank artists who did uh, swimming, diving, things. And quite often they had people who had swum the channel and whatnot, you know, would turn up and do acts in these tanks. Uh, there were uh, strong women, Balkana, wonderful woman. She um, knocked out somebody who tried to steal her purse. Um, As you do, were, <laughs> she would. And she had, apparently she was in her ordinary clothes and a cart got stuck in the mud and she just walked up and lifted the back of the cart, took it out of the mud and walked away, the story goes. Um, there were um, uh, ballet dancers. Anna Pavlova appeared in the music hall. Did she? Yeah. yeah There's yeah. Posh. Yeah, gymnasts, uh, you know, skipping routines, uh, bicycle acts. You know, they were always looking for the next novelty thing, really, I think. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. You've been an absolute star. And Well, uh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I've probably talked too much, but there you are. <laughs> no, never, never. And you're sending me down lots of rabbit holes now of research for different things I want to look at. So I just wanted to say before we, we finally go, I want to make sure I get this right so everyone does uh, does look keep it all up. It's the the blog is into the limelight, isn't it? Yes, it's on into the limelight.org org. Your Twitter account, people want to see things on Twitter, monomania blogs. Yeah, at monomania blogs. Yep. Perfect. Okay, well, I'll put that on the show notes, um, along with some other bits and pieces that you've told me today, so, um, so that I remember to look them up as well. And, uh, and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, very welcome. It was great. I really enjoyed it. you for listening to famous people you've never heard of. If you've enjoyed this week's podcast and would like to find out more, do take a look at the show notes where you'll find further information and reading material, as well as a transcription of today's episode. If you like what we do and would like to support our work, please check out our Patreon page, which can be found at patreon.com slash theatre. Or, if you prefer to keep us going with a caffeine fix, you can do so at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash theatre. We really appreciate any support you can give to help keep the show on the road. And we'd also love it if you give the show a rate and a review. It really helps us to remain visible out there. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, where we'd love to see you.